Since the first Sunday in this new year of 2013, we have been looking at these verses in Ephesians chapter 5. And as we've returned week after week, we've heard the call from its pages that you and I are to be imitators of God. And as those who want to obey God, as those who want to, to please our Heavenly Father, to live lives that he, he wants us to live, we've been seeking help from these verses, how we can do that. How can we be imitators of God? How can you and I bear a sharp, vivid image of the Christ who indwells us to the world around us, to the world that needs to see it? How can we, with our words and, and by our deeds, reflect who Christ is? To those who hear our words and see our deeds and know that there is a Redeemer. So we've seen that we'll be better able to do that uh, if we're intentional about certain acts. And, and this is a review of what we've looked at for these past weeks. We'll be better able to bear that image of Christ if we watch carefully how we walk, how we live our lives. If you and I make choices intentionally so that no matter where we are, who we are doesn't change. Who we are is believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, if we are intentional about knowing more and more what the will of God is, if you and I will come to the word of God and see reflected in its pages the Lord Jesus Christ so that we may know him more and more, and the more we know him, the more we will be like him, and the easier it will be for us to know what it is we should do as we journey toward home. Number three, make the most of every opportunity that God gives to us. We've got to view time in our hand as we view money in our hand. We have a limited amount of it and we have to spend it in the best way we can. We have to invest that time in ways that will give it the greatest eternal return on our investment. Number four, to bear the sharp image of Christ, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Allowing the Spirit of God to control us. Believing that the life led by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit, a life submitted to the Spirit is the most exciting and thrilling life we can experience. We've got to believe that. Knowing that when we look for stimulation from the world, when we give ourselves over to that stimulation from the world, in the end we will find out that it is empty and meaningless. Nothing that the world can offer can be as exciting and stimulating and thrilling as a life lived, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit to do whatever it is God calls us to do to advance His kingdom here on this earth. Number five, last week, speaking to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we are gathered here to worship, when we are gathered together outside of this place, our lives should be marked with biblical truth, with gospel truth, truth about who God is, truth about who Jesus is, truth about what it means to live the Christian life. That should mark who we are, wherever we are gathered, whenever we are gathered, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual song, making music in our hearts to the Lord. That's what we've looked at so far. Now listen, since we reviewed these every week of this year, I hope there's something tangible that you can point to in your life as evidence that change is taking place. I made this decision last week so that I can watch carefully how I walk. You know, a couple of days ago, I made the most of this opportunity 
that God gave to me. You know, I intentionally sought to yield my life to the Spirit and what He wanted me to do. Besides, instead of what I wanted to do. And on and on you could go because, see, that's the point. The Word of God is taught. The Word of God is preached. It's joined with the Spirit of God and transformation. Change should come to our lives. Seek that change. Seek that transformation. This morning, we come to the sixth command, challenge uh, in this passage. Uh, Once again, one, if we'll take it up, will will really cause us to uh, have that sharp image of Christ in our generation. So if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to ask you to stand as we hear once again, read aloud the word of the living God. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. And Father, we do now ask once again that your spirit would come. Attend the reading of your word, the preaching of your word. May your spirit allow your truth and your truth only to be heard and to be remembered. And Father, may your spirit bring that transformation that we long for so that we are imitators of God, image bearers of Christ in this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You Be seated. This was supposed to have been our last Sunday in this building. This was it. Our last time of worship here. Coming up with $1.6 million in 90 days, that was supposed to be a mountain too high for us to climb. We weren't supposed to be able to do it. And so this morning, we should have been worshiping among packed boxes. Boxes that we would have had to move out of this place by Thursday. So that on Friday, the work crews could come and begin dissembling this room. Ripping up the pews, dissembling the organ, chopping down this pulpit. It was all to go away. But God had other plans, didn't he? (laughs) He intervened in ways that continue to amaze me, continue to amaze us, that uh, amaze the city. I don't know if you saw the mayor's State of the City address on Tuesday, but he spent a significant portion of the time he had allotted for that address talking about Redeemer. And he said it was one of the most significant things that happened in this city in 2012 was the rescue of this building. And so it's easy for us to give thanks, isn't it, for what the Lord has done for us. It's easy to give thanks because this building remains a church. It remains a center from which the gospel can radiate through the words spoken and preached here and through the, the acts of compassion and mercy and grace that flow from us into this community. But what if? What if God had not provided for us? What would the mood be here like? Mood here be like this morning? How easy would it be for us to give thanks if this were it? 
You know, I'm sure we would have given thanks with our words. But would we have truly felt thanks in our hearts? Look at verse 19 and 20. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks always for everything. That's the command of this verse. And I just wonder again, could Paul have misunderstood the Spirit of God when he wrote this command? That you and I should give thanks always for everything. Does the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of this command, does he know? Does he know what he's requiring of the Christians at Ephesus? Does he know what he's requiring of you and me and the lives that we live to say, give thanks to the Lord always for everything? This command feels impossible to live out. And I can only speak for myself with any certainty. But I can tell you this. I am not thankful always for everything. I'm not. And so when I hear a command like this, I'm convicted. I feel guilty. Do I not love the Lord enough because I'm not thankful always for everything? But listen, that's, that's what the Spirit of God intends us to be. That's what he inspired Paul to write. And he's got a good reason for asking us to rejoice and give thanks always for everything. Look up in verse 16. It says, They are make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So it turns out that Paul doesn't live a sheltered life after all. Paul's not insulated in a Christian bubble. He goes to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, church supper, Thursday night, small group. No, no. Paul lives in the real world. Paul, when he's not in prison, chained up for preaching the gospel, he's out in the world, living in it, observing what takes place there. And as he looks at the world and what's going on in the world around him, particularly in the city of Ephesus, he calls evil on it. This is evil. The days are evil. How would you describe evil days? Somebody said, define evil days. Or somebody said, draw a picture of evil days, what is it that you would draw? Because see, we've got to be clear about what evil is, what evil days are, if we're going to give thanks always for everything in the midst of them. Evil isn't just restricted to the drunken Bacchus festivals that the Ephesians had, you know, worshiping uh, the god of wine, getting drunk, having orgies, all that. That's evil, no doubt about it. Ephesus had a reputation for being a center for the learning and the practice of the magic arts. They produced scrolls at Ephesus that contained spells and incantations. And so Ephesus was a center for the occult, for witchcraft and sorcery. That's evil. But evil isn't just limited to that. The word evil that Paul uses here has a really wide range of meanings. Meanings that touch our lives much more than a Bacchus festival or spells and incantations. The word can mean full of labors, pressed and harassed by labors. Be thankful, always, even when your life is full of hard work. We can relate to that. When your work hassles you, we can relate to that. Well, not me. Y'all are never hassling me, but you know what I'm saying. Y'all aren't me. Presses in on you, be thankful for always, everything always. Evil can mean full of annoyances and hardships when life When people in your life, when situations in your life annoy you, if that ever happens, be thankful for everything. Evil can mean full of perils when you're in trouble, 
when you're in danger. Be thankful for everything always. It can refer specifically to a time full of peril for the Christian faith and steadfastness, causing pain and trouble to be a believer. That can be an evil day. I think we would all agree that the direction of our country is not toward Christianity. The direction our country is going is not in support of Christianity. And I've heard a lot of people who really worry about that fact. I've heard much fear expressed over that fact. I've heard much complaining expressed about that fact. And yet we're called here in the midst of evil days to give thanks for everything always. Evil can also mean being morally worthless, morally wicked, morally bad, uh, degenerate. That's Jesus' assessment of the world that he came to and lived in. When he met with Nicodemus that night, he said, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. He says, The world hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. It's just the stuff that comes out of the human heart. My heart, your heart, the hearts of those around us that that make the days evil. Living beside people who practice these things. Living with people who practice these things. Working with people who have wicked thoughts, who are sexually immoral, who steal, even if it's time from their employer. Who envy what you have, who say bad things about you. People who are, are proud and everything that goes with that. This makes the day evil. And the consequences that come with evil behavior and people who will not give up that evil behavior make the days evil. But we are called to be thankful always for everything in this evil day. The day marked by sin, the day marred by its consequences. But we're too often not thankful. Sometimes it seems that if you take away a Christian's ability to grouse and complain and wring their hands over the state of the world, they would have nothing left to say. (laughs) Especially when they're together. That's about all we do sometimes. Evil is evil. And I'm not calling it good. And I'm not trying to be flippant about it or the gravity of it as it expresses itself, particularly in the social ills that plague our country right now. But that evil cannot steal our our thankfulness. Because when we're thankful in the midst of evil days, we will be noticed. We will stand out as ones who are thankful in spite of all the evil that's taking place around us. As we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, His image will be clearly evident in us. No matter what happens around us, no matter what happens around us, we as believers in Christ have received mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace. And that never changes. And so we can always give thanks. Always. Sometimes it's easy to praise. 
especially after God has done something amazing for us. After you receive the blessing, you know, after God's people had passed safely through the Red Sea, when Egypt and the Egyptian army was just a memory, when it was all in the past, then, Scripture says, that Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. I will exalt him. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Thanking after, praising after, it comes the easiest, doesn't it? But do we do it? Now, what has God done for you? What provision has he made for you? What deliverance has he brought about for you in your life that you haven't given him thanks for? Maybe you haven't even examined your life closely enough to see all the reasons that you have to give thanks for what God has done. Maybe if you're like me, you too quickly move on. Forget that's in the past and we move on to what we need. Lord, now I need this. No, give thanks to the Lord always for what he has done. We're called to praise always, not just after God's deliverance, but during the midst of a trial or a difficulty. Jonah. You know the story of Jonah? Where did he find himself? You know, in the belly of that that big fish, right? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Jonah prayed from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned. In the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Jonah praised Jonah gave thanks to the Lord from the belly of the fish what struggle are you in the midst of right now maybe you're in one maybe it is something deep maybe it's something painful maybe you need deliverance from something and you absolutely cannot see the way out of it the natural inclination of your heart will be to worry and complain about it. The supernatural inclination of your heart will be to give thanks to God in the midst of it. Have you? Have you given thanks to God for the situation, no matter how desperate? Even if the seaweed is wrapping around your head? I don't know what will happen when you do that. I don't know. But I know that Jonah was rescued from the fish. 
And even if Jonah had not been rescued from the belly of that fish, even if he had, had died, he would have died with his heart turned, focused on the Lord and his salvation. And so it would have been a, a glorious death for him. Thanksgiving takes our eyes off of the despair, off of the hopelessness or the helplessness of the situation. And thanksgiving puts our eyes on the one who is able to do something about it. The one who is able to bring about salvation. So I can complain in the middle of a difficult situation. Or I can give thanks to the one who has the power to change that situation. Or to the one who has power to change me in the midst of that situation. So I can endure it. Give thanks always. Even in the midst of your struggles. Then we can praise and give thanks, not only after God has done something for us, not just in the midst of it, but listen, give thanks to God before it even happens. A vast army, a vast army came against King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. It terrified him. And so he prayed and he begged the Lord for guidance. And he called everyone in Judah to fast. And people from all over the towns of Judah, they came and they gathered in Jerusalem to seek God's help. And King Jehoshaphat led his people in prayer and he said, Oh God, won't you stop them? We're powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazael, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites stood to praise the Lord. The God of Israel with a very loud shout. This is before the battle. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped them and said, Listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king anointed singers to walk ahead of the army. <laughs> What's up with that choir? The singers... They went ahead of the soldiers, singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Before the battle, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they gave thanks to the Lord anyway. The army that was uh, arrayed against them was still vast, but they gave thanks to the Lord anyway. Their hearts were still pounding. Their adrenaline was still flowing as they steeled themselves for battle, but they gave thanks anyway. Before God accomplished anything among them, they gave thanks to the Lord before the victory. And what happened? 
The story continues. This is the best part. At the very moment they began to sing, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever, and give praise. At that very moment, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. They didn't even have to fight. Praise and thanksgiving is powerful stuff. And here's why it's so powerful. Again, when when we praise, when we give thanks, we're focused on God. We're focused on His character. In this instance, giving thanks, the people gave thanks for for the past faithfulness of God. And it reminded them that they could trust God to be faithful on their behalf again in the future. They gave thanks for the, the, the past love of God. And that reminded his people that they could be confident in that same love of God in the future. Giving thanks focuses our hearts and our minds on the truth of who God is. And that's why we've got to have the truth. That's why we've got to, to love the truth of the word of God. Apart from it, and the Savior reveals, we would have no reason to give thanks always for everything, especially in the midst of evil days. You and I, we get amnesia too quickly to be thankful for all things, always, if we aren't filling ourselves up with the truth of the Word of God as we are being filled up with the Spirit of God. If you're not doing that, you'll complain because you'll forget that you're supposed to be thankful. You'll forget what you have to be thankful for. You'll forget what's coming that's going to make you eternally thankful. And so don't expect to be able to do this. Don't expect to be able to give thanks always for everything if you aren't filling your heart with the truth of what it is you and I have to be thankful for. Thankfulness is a beautiful expression of our faith in God. Trust that He is a loving Heavenly Father. Trust that He is sovereign over all things. Trust that God has it all in control. Trust that He knows exactly what to do. God knows exactly when to do it. Trust that He knows exactly what people to use, what circumstances to use, good or evil, to accomplish His purpose. And so we give thanks, always, For everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we display a sharp image of Christ in the world. And our thankfulness, especially when the days and the events around us are evil, will cause those who know us, who see our lives, who watch our acts, who hear our words. Why do you give thanks? How can you give thanks? And we can tell them, oh, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, Holy One of God, Messiah. Let's pray together. Father, I pray now that you, through the power of your Spirit, would minister to all of our hearts. Because, Lord, this is a difficult challenge that is before us. To give thanks always for everything. 
because it may be far easier for us in our lives to, to list the reasons we have to despair or to be grumpy or grouchy or to complain because things just don't go right in our lives. We feel we don't have what we need. And so it's hard for us to hear these words that we are to be thankful always for everything. But Lord, I know that you don't ask us to do that which you don't equip us to do. And you equip us with your spirit. You equip us with your truth. And if we will keep ever, always before us, uh, your truth, your word, uh, our relationship with you, we'll discover that this command is not nearly as difficult as it may first seem to us. Because in the midst of whatever it is we're going through, there you are with us. You never leave us, abandon us. You never forsake us. You never let us go. Nothing can separate us from your love. We're in your hand. You're not going to drop us. Not in this life and not in the next. So we have reason to rejoice and be thankful for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your compassion. Help us to focus, Lord. Make it a list too long for us to write down of the reasons that we have to give thanks and praise no matter what's going on in our lives. Do this in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.